story nine of the times red cross storybook by famous novelists serving in his majesty's forces by various this librivox recording is in the public domain story nine the silver thaw by r e fernied rifle brigade a silver thaw had set in the icy rain fell so suddenly and so quickly that masson felt his car skid on what had been a dry almost a dusty high road before he was well aware of the cause two minutes later the imperative necessity of pulling up became apparent and he came to a stop at the end of a hundred yard slide if it had been downhill he thought to himself the depreciation on this particular four and a half horsepower de dion would have been considerable i suppose i'm in luck the luck on second thoughts was of a very dubious kind a mist following on the break of the frost had already obscured the beauty of the night the roadway seemed absolutely deserted and the nearest approach to a village was as masson guessed some five miles off his lamps shining upon what might have been a frozen canal between two high hedges showed that he could as well have been twenty miles from a village for all the chance he had of getting there either on foot or on wheels pulling out his watch he found the time to be ten o'clock he had been about half an hour on the road calculating that he had done some twelve miles and that there were fifty separating the place he had dined at from the place he intended to reach he was still thirty-eight miles from the latter no london for me to-night he said turning up his coat collar the thaw may turn to rain and it may not the point is what am i to do if it doesn't he stood up in the car to prospect an answer came in lights that glowed yellow through the mist from some house evidently that stood a little off the road to the left they had been hidden until that moment by the hedge and seemed all the nearer now for their suddenness they meant shelter from that icy drip possibly a bed for the night there was no resisting the prospect masson climbed gingerly down commended the car to providence and made for a white gate in the hedge that seemed to indicate the entrance to the drive his fingers were so numbed that he could scarcely unlatch it any one who has tried the business of walking in what is called romantically enough a silver thaw will know that romance is the last thing that occupies the mind of a person so engaged the constant striving to remain perpendicular the grovelling with unseizable earth forced upon a man who has sat down upon it with an unexpectedness that is outside all experience the doubts as to whether any material progress can be made except on all fours combine to keep the attention fixed upon practical things add the darkness of a clouded winter sky a gathering mist and a path if it could be called a path at once barely visible and totally unknown and it will be clear that a man encountering these difficulties will be justified in wishing romance to the deuce masson wished it further before he had done with it that night the only warning that he had before he was plunged into it willy-nilly was the sound of a whistle as of some one expressing surprise from the high road he had left he imagined that it proceeded from some yokel who had come upon the deserted de dion and he sincerely hoped that the yokel would not have the time or inclination to overhaul its machinery 
for a moment indeed with some of the yearning instinct of the motorist for his car he thought of returning to it and warning the yokel off the very act of trying to come to a decision however made his heels go from under him and when he had got them under control again the decision was formed it was to reach the house or congeal another five minutes skidding and he reached it the back of it apparently for there was no door the result of a polite hail was that a window was open from overhead and a voice a girl's voice said is it you she said in a whisper only just audible who returned masson a little surprised it was not perhaps an intelligent question but it did not seem to justify what followed the window was shut with a little shriek and a pair or two pairs of sturdy arms closed about masson's body it did not require so much force as was used to bring him to the ground his antagonist or antagonists on top of him he explained as much with some warmth as he lay there but only had the satisfaction of hearing one of the men say to the other there were two it seemed you take him by the legs mr board and if he tries kickin he'll gee on a jog in the belly right yard jenkins now sir gently if you please the last words were addressed to masson and he guessed from the tone of reluctant respect that the speaker was some house servant probably the butler all right he said only if you're going to carry me for heaven's sake be careful if you drop me it's murder mind you'll be hanged for it no fear sir said mr board genially we won't hurt you never fear what the squire'll do is another matter sir as i dessay you guess ready jenkins ah said jenkins and moved forward with matson's head mr board followed with his legs in this manner and with an unpleasant feeling that one or other of them would certainly slip masson made his untriumphal procession into the house he was dumped brutally by jenkins respectfully by mr board on the turkey carpet of what so far as he could see for the sudden glare of lights was the large and armoured hall of a manor-house he lay for a moment on the turkey carpet with closed eyes when he looked up there was a tall and irascible old gentleman standing over him with a heavy riding-whip stand him on his feet jenkins and you stand by the door-board and see that he don't make a rush now sir the old gentleman addressed himself to masson with a most threatening countenance you're going to elope with my daughter eh what masson stared going to elope with your daughter might i ask can you explain to me what the meaning of this assault on me by your servants i presume they're your servants means you might said the old gentleman caustically they had their orders sir from me to bring you in neck and crop sir neck and crop by gad you didn't expect that when you came sneaking around here after my daughter eh what he thrashed the air significantly any excuse to offer before masson backed away a little towards a light but solid chair that stood near it might serve as a weapon if this old madman attacked mr board a middle-aged man unmistakably the butler put his back against the hall door and stood rubbing his hands jenkins a gaitered person choked a guffaw it seemed to masson that with three able-bodied persons opposed to him he had better try the discreet before the valorous part 
it seems to me he said raising his voice a little that the excuse should be offered to me i can only imagine you're laboring under some delusion ha said the old gentleman which i am quite willing to help to clear so far as i am concerned i haven't the least idea what you mean by accusing me of sneaking round after your daughter i have never set eyes on your daughter i don't know who she is or who you are i came here off the high road perhaps i ought to say i'm motoring to london because the roads are so slippery i couldn't get on seeing your lights i thought i could get some assistance here that's why you went round to the back of the house eh my dear sir said masson impatiently are you aware that it's a pitch-dark night that the back and front of your house are equally strange to me that the mistake i made in going to the back instead of the front is the kind of mistake any stranger trying to get here would make he spoke with a good deal of indignation by no means soothed to hear jenkins snigger eh, that's a good un it was all along of a mistake eh, eh. and the squire's reply snorted insultingly look here my young man i knew you were a rogue i didn't know you were a cur too likely story ain't it motoring huh never seen my daughter what never seen john clifton of the king's arms neither i dare say well i have john clifton knows me and he knows i've got him in my pocket so when you went and ordered a horse and trap for ten o'clock to-night mentioning hang your impudence that you might be wanting it for a young lady you were going to elope with john clifton he came round to me he'll be waiting about ten-thirty to-night under missy's window that's the arrangement squire john clifton told me that ten-thirty said he and by gad ten-thirty it is i've never heard of john clifton in my life said masson soothingly stick to your lie snorted the squire stick to your mulish idiocy returned masson equally enraged only if you want to avoid making a driveling fool of yourself send for your daughter i imagine she'll be able to inform you that you've made a mistake so far as i'm concerned whether the squire thus braved would have proceeded at once to carry out the intention his hands twitching at the whip suggested masson hardly knew at that moment an elderly lady opened a door at the far end of the hall and entered oh reginald she cried what is it asked the squire turning at her is this the young man is this the the squire choked no it isn't this is the young man who swears he isn't the young man that's who this young man is wants me to call judith down to verify him i'll be merely in justice to the young lady said masson scornfully as the squire stopped for breath uh, perhaps said the elderly lady in a deprecating voice possibly reginald it would be fairer you have never seen the young man before have you judith judith's a minx said the squire furiously but she has never told a lie said the elderly lady call her the squire rumbled the order and the elderly lady fled judith my dear judith masson could hear her twittering to her charge as he leaned on the back of the chair which was to have served him for a weapon in case the squire had proceeded to extremities he supposed the matter was now as good as ended and could afford a smile at the disappointed expression of jenkins who was evidently the squire's principal backer in the scheme of force majeure 
mr board indeed had allowed a sigh as of relief to escape him at the new turn of affairs and was for leaving his post at the door didn't i tell you to stay there said the squire sharply and observing masson's smile don't you imagine my fine fellow that you've escaped your thrashing yet Pah! the last word was an acknowledgment of his daughter's arrival under the wing of the elderly lady masson looked at the girl with interest she was tall and slender a, a pretty girl there was masson judged some grounds for the squire's suspicions for she was dressed for out of doors in hat and furs and seemed pale and upset she avoided masson's eyes you wanted me father she said no i didn't confound it said the squire rudely it was your aunt wanted you this rogue he indicated masson with his riding whip wants to save his skin says he isn't your man ah what do you say masson waited in all serenity for her reply she seemed to hesitate and gulp for words it was excusable masson thought the old curmudgeon had frightened the wits half out of her what do you say roared the squire again she twisted her hands together took a step forward and in a trembling voice addressing masson oh dick she said fondly masson became aware that the dropping of a pin might have been audible but for mr board's respectful sigh of dismay at the door for a second he doubted his full possession of his senses what did you say he stammered oh dick why why did you come i, I wish she burst into gentle sobs masson looked about him wildly he felt a mere fool my name is henry he explained henry masson just so said the squire grimly martha take judith upstairs send her to bed quickly now no talking now sir to masson as the door closed upon the two ladies are you going to take your thrashing standing up or lying down he had recovered his self-possession and it was masson who felt his leaving him only for a moment however then standing up he said and gave jenkins as that individual advanced to collar him a kick that brought him to the ground he seized the momentary advantage to dodge the squire's whip and to give a swing of the chair into mr board's bread-basket mr board fell back unfortunately against the wall door which was against masson's chance of escaping it is probable that the next five minutes offered as good an exhibition of rough-and-tumble fighting as the hall of the manor-house had ever been privileged to witness only superior agility enabled masson to keep his end up for though mr board's attack was reluctant it was not devoid of cunning and both the squire and jenkins were bulls for fierceness indeed masson panting hard was having his chair wrenched from him by the latter while he dodged the squire's attempts to clinch when he felt the other door through which the ladies had vanished scrape his back it gave him an idea and he acted on it letting jenkins have the chair at full grip which sent him staggering backwards masson butted the squire turned the handle and was through he hung on to the handle desperately feeling for a key there was none the opposition forces had got their hold and were forcing the door open it was at this crisis that the elderly lady again made her appearance she came bustling into masson's back crying aloud she's gone she's gone with the other young man oh dear as she perceived masson what is happening where is my brother in there said masson and let go 
reginald she cried as the squire came bouncing through stop it is not this young man it's another young man and judith is gone she got out of her bedroom window and they're driving off now what cried the squire perhaps said masson quietly you will now believe what i said he might as well have addressed the walls for all the attention he received the squire had no sooner grasped the new situation than he was foaming for the front door giving directions at the top of his voice put in the mare jenkins saddle black beauty tell the boy to ride for the police drat and confound this masson gathered that the squire's broken sentences signified that he had stepped out into the ice-paved night with the inevitable results however he must have picked himself up for his helloing grew fainter but how it will all end heaven only knows said the elderly lady to masson in a despairing way i'm afraid you're right said masson good evening madam the hall door was open his late antagonists had disappeared but since there was no knowing when they would return or in what frame of mind it was not wise to lose an opportunity stepping out into the darkness masson found that the silver thaw had turned to rain and that the path though slippery in parts was safety itself to what it had been he followed the winding drive until he came to the white gate and the road beyond there unnoticed it seemed and untouched stood his car by the side of the road he started it and moved on at a moderate pace a couple of minutes later he neared two figures going at a plodding canter in the light of his lamps the one that led was tall and large the squire thought masson and hooted vigorously a hundred pounds if you'll give me a lift cried the squire i want to catch up a horse and trap just ahead won't you take three minutes a hundred pounds come for mercy's sake sir do said the other mr board it was clear neither of the two seemed to know whom they were addressing or else they had forgotten the events of the evening which hardly seemed possible i'm afraid very sorry but i can't stop said masson politely he bore them no grudge on the whole but having witnessed the squire in the fullness of his raging he felt no desire to cumber himself with him any more it would be conniving at manslaughter quite impossible he repeated as he whizzed by them he put on speed turned a bend of the highway a minute and a half later and pulled up just in time to avoid not mere connivance but actual committal of manslaughter for there in the very centre of the road was the horse and trap which the others were so anxious to come up with only it was no longer a horse and trap united but a horse and a trap quite separate entities of which moreover the trap lay on one side minus a wheel with broken shafts so much masson's lights showed him as he came to a stop just in time a little shriek that arose at the same moment from the bank at the side of the road revealed more oh dick is it father no said mr masson with every wish to be neutral in this family affair he could not resist giving so much consolation a young man who had it seemed been divided between soothing the author of the little shriek and holding on to the frightened horse not altogether a simple division of labour came forward at this excuse me sir he said to masson i don't know who you are but oh dick it's the other young man mr mr henry the squire's daughter spoke from the bank 
henry masson said that gentleman not dick i should have been obliged he continued with a good deal of urbanity if you could have mentioned that fact half an hour ago he bore the squire's daughter no grudge on the whole but he felt that he was entitled to that small piece of irony at least it was not altogether amusing to be the other young man the young man the real dick had apparently received only a partial account of the evening's proceedings i'm afraid i don't understand he said frankly i know something went wrong up at the house judy was telling me just as our horse came down confound that ice thaw the squire mistook you for me didn't he well said masson the squire couldn't very well help making the mistake when a fierce bellowing not far in the rear interrupted him that is the squire i suppose he went on i passed him a couple of minutes ago he seemed anxious to come up with you good heavens said the young man look here sir i don't know if you know the state of affairs this lady and i wish to get married you see what's happened cart smashed if you could give us a lift he spoke very pleasantly and yet earnestly masson bore no grudge against him as he hesitated the squire's daughter came from the hedge bank where she had been sitting into the light of his lamps you will forgive me won't you she said winningly it was my only chance of getting away i was frantic she looked very piteous and pretty in the light of the lamps you will won't you she repeated certainly said masson there's nothing to forgive pray get in i ought to think myself lucky to have been the young man if it was only for ten minutes come dick quick cried the squire's daughter the young man let the horse go and climbed into the car just in time i think he said as masson backed a little and slipped the car past the fallen trap to a loud chorus of stop you rogue good night squire they all cried as they went ahead through the thin falling rain later on when masson accepted an invitation to be best man at the wedding of mr richard castle with miss judith trelawney he realized that he had not come so badly out of that silver thaw he felt magnanimous in fact end of story nine